Matthew chapter 23. We're going to just read one verse in beginning. We'll read two verses. And it'll really, those verses will be where we'll spend our time tonight after we kind of introduce the lesson. Matthew chapter 23. Let's stand for the reading of the scripture tonight. Sure, it's good to see you on a Wednesday night. I'm just thankful for our church family. Glad we can come together and sing together and pray together and get into the Word of God together. 2323 is where we'll be. Matthew 23, chapter 23, verse 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise, is how I would say that, and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. I want to speak from verse 23 where he says not to leave the other undone. Don't leave the other undone because that really kind of gives uh, an essence of what we're going to talk about tonight. And uh, let's, just, let's just pray as we get started again. Father, please bless our study tonight. We need you. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the words of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the confidence we have that what we have before us is your very word. But we need your help as we study it. We want to learn. We want to rightly divide the word of truth. We want to apply the word to our lives. We want to grow in grace and receive with meekness this engrafted word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In verse 23, uh, Jesus addresses his words to scribes and Pharisees, and he calls them hypocrites. Now, these are a famous group of people. Anybody who's read the New Testament for very much at all know who the Pharisees are. What makes this chapter unique is the entire chapter, the entire 23rd chapter of Matthew is devoted to this religious group in some form or fashion. And so just a few random thoughts about them in case you're kind of new to the Bible or maybe a little refresher, but the, the Pharisees were a, a strict sect, a group of the Jews, a religious group that was that uh, began actually and gained prominence during the silent years after the Old Testament was closed and there's no more revelation from God for about 400 years until John the Baptist came on the scene. And so that 400 years, there was no, we talked about this Sunday night, there was no prophets, there was no prophecy, there was no word from God. During that period of time, some religious groups got started. The Pharisees uh, was a group, one of those groups. They were strict in many ways, in what they believed. Unfortunately, a lot of what they believed was not Bible. It was traditions of men. It was things that they had added to the Bible. Various uh, laws regarding things like the Sabbath, washing of hands. We've talked about these things before. 
They're also among the harshest critics of Jesus. Imagine that. Jewish people, God, God sent His Son, born of a virgin, in, and born into the nation of Israel, and yet the Jewish people, many of them, did not accept Jesus, and these Pharisees were His harshest critics. Jesus confronted their sin often. And he warned his disciples about their dangerous doctrine. That's who these Pharisees were. Let's just look in chapter 23 um, at a few examples that Jesus deals with. For instance, verse 3, he says, about, he says to his disciples about the Pharisees, All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. The things they tell you to practice, do it. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. So they were, they were known for this. Jesus said what they're telling you to do by and large is good. Do what, they, do what they say, but don't do what they do. Because they don't practice what they preach. Look in verse 5. One of the major issues that Jesus had with them was they lived to, be, to impress people and to be recognized. They wanted attention. Verse 5 says, for they bind, or excuse me, verse 5, but all their works, the things they do, these religious people, all their works they do for to be seen of men. They don't do it for God, they do it for notoriety. They make broad their phylacteries, enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the uppermost rooms at feasts. They want to be recognized. They want a place of prominence. And the chief seats in the synagogues. Not just, a, not just a seat in the synagogue, but a chief seat in the synagogue. And verse 7, and greetings in the markets. And to be called of men, rabbi, rabbi. So that, they, they, they wanted the praise, the praise, the attention of men. Another verse, look in verse 15, it says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He called them that often, hypocrites. They were known as hypocrites. They were actors. They were not sincere. Theirs was just a religion, a form, a ritual, uh, following their traditions. Look in verse 25. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. It's like you clean... The outside of the cup, but you don't clean the inside. Inside of it, the outside looks clean, but the inside is just full of of corruption, self-indulgence, excess. Verse 26, thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter. Clean the inside first, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, we're in verse 27, for you're like unto whited sepulchres, you're like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of uncleanness. He says, you, 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 you put on this front, you make things look good on the outside, but on the inside you're dead, spiritually dead, corrupt. That was their focus. It was on their outside appearance, not their godliness. Now, one of the reasons, and I'm going to get to our text here in verse 23, 
But one of the things that makes the Pharisees intriguing to us, intriguing to me anyway, is this. Uh, Those of us who are conservative, uh, separated Bible believers are often compared to Pharisees. Do do, do y'all know that? How many of you say, yeah, I've, I've seen that, I know that. You're legalistic, you're like a Pharisee. They say that because we emphasize uh, Bible doctrine, we emphasize strictness about Bible interpretation. And so they call us legalists, they call us Pharisees. And let me just say tonight that in, in some cases that comparison is true. It is true. And there are people of our persuasion that are primarily or only focused on the outside when on the inside it doesn't really matter. As long as people on the outside think we're a certain way, that's the main thing. And and that's hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. But for the most part, independent Baptists are not like that. Number one, we don't criticize Jesus. We love Jesus. And we strongly renounce hypocrisy. We, We... we, don't, we wouldn't tolerate it in our own hearts, and we, we don't want to tolerate it in the lives of others. And, though we do believe in personal holiness, we don't believe holiness is what's on the outside to the neglect of what's on the inside, just the opposite. We believe holiness is of what's on the inside and works its way out and changes of behavior and lifestyle and conduct and language. There's a difference. That's, and so these, these people only dressed up the outside. They didn't care about the inside. We know the inside is what matters most. But we also know, if you look in verse uh, 26, what Jesus said, Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of thee may be clean also. You know the thing that makes our outside, the outside being our appearance, the way we look, the kind of lives we live, you know what makes that change? It's the inward change that begins when we get saved. I mean, when I, got sa- when I got saved, I didn't have to dress up like a Christian and act like a Christian to be saved. I got saved because I was a lousy sinner that deserved to go to hell, but I trusted in Jesus Christ, and I got saved, and then little by little, God began to change our lives. That's the way it works. So with that as an introduction, verse 23 says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. So he's talking to these Pharisees and he says, this is, this is a characteristic of your life. They were committed tithers. Now, when I say committed tithers, they, were, they, they tithed of their mint. If they came by the welcome center and got a few mints, they, they tithed of their mint. mint. Mint, all of these are like little garden herbs. That's what they're like. If you've ever seen dill, how many of you have ever seen dill growing? That anise is like dill. It reminds me of we grew some dill in our garden. We had a garden. And, um, and some of that just produces and reproduces. We had some cilantro in our garden, and it just would take over the whole section of... 
It just keeps growing and producing. He says, you t-. so what they would do, they were so committed tither, if they went through the garden and they had, you know, all these stalks of dill or anise or, or, um, or, or mint, they would just pick off one of every ten and take it to the priest. There was, that's how committed tithers they were. If they kept, this stuff kept growing, they kept giving it. They were very particular about it. Cumin is another uh, similar, it's herb like a plant. It's used as a spice. Now, and why do they do this? They did it because tithing was important to them. They did it because the Old Testament teaches tithing. Matter of fact, it taught specifically in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. It teaches that whatever trees you have, whatever fruit you have from your trees, that you ought to tithe on the produce that comes from those trees. I hope everybody here understands that. You may have, we've got some new Christians, new people to church. The word tithe comes from the word, it's, it's like tenth. See, what does tithe mean? It means a tenth. The first tenth of everything would go to God. Now, God never said you got to tithe on all your herbs. <laughs> he, but He said you have to tithe on your fruit trees, your produce, and the other things as well. So it was important to them. It was required of God. Matter of fact, in Proverbs chapter 3, uh, the, the Bible says, uh, Honor the Lord with thy substance... Now think about this young person. And with the first fruit of all thine increase. That means whatever comes into your hand, the first part goes to God. It's very simple. It's not hard. It's not complicated. It's not unfair. It's just. The first part goes to God. And um, my wife and I, because we went to a church who taught that when we were brand new Christians, we... You know, we just started doing it. We've done it by the grace of God ever since. And by the way, it's, don't feel sorry for us because of what we've given to God. God's blessed us. God blesses obedience. Amen? And so we're thankful for that. The problem with the Pharisees, though, they were doing it for show. They weren't doing it out of love for God. They were doing it for show. As a matter of fact, hold your finger right here in Matthew and go to the book of Luke. In Luke chapter 18. In Luke chapter 18, I'm not going to read the whole story, but there were two men that went up to the temple to pray, and one of them, in verse 10, was a Pharisee. And look what he prayed in verse 11. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. The Pharisee's in the temple. He's praying. He's praying out loud. He says, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Now he's calling out and praying against a humble man who came there to pray also. But look what he says in verse 12. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. So this man wasn't just a tither. These Pharisees weren't just tithers. They were tithers for show. They were proud of their tithing. Go back to Matthew 23. So here's the... To me, this is, an, it's, I, won't, I want to use the word extreme because I don't necessarily think what they were doing was wrong or exaggerated, but they were very strict about tithing. I mean, when, you, when you're tithing on all the little plants that grow in your 
herb garden, you're pretty, you're a pretty strict tither, wouldn't you say? Pretty much so. He says you do that. You tithe of mint, and goes on and lists those things. But then he says this, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. You tithe so deliberately, so meticulously, but you've omitted the weightier matters of the law. By the way, tithing is a matter of the law. But he says you're omitting the weightier matters of the law. And he lists these things. The first one he lists is judgment. Judgment is doing what is just. It's treating people justly. It's being honest. It's being trustworthy. It's being just. Some, a person of your word. That's, that's one of the weightier matters of the law. And the second thing he lists in verse 23 is mercy. They, these people, he says, you've omitted mercy. Mercy is compassion. Mercy is kindness. Mercy is caring for other people. Jesus pointed out to these Pharisees at one point that they loved their animals more than they loved people. They, they rebuked him. They called him out for healing a sick man on a Sabbath day, but he said, if you had an ox that was in a ditch, you'd help your ox. They weren't caring people. They were tithers, but they weren't honest. They were, they were deliberate, intentional, strict tithers, but they weren't caring. The third word he uses there is faith. That has to do with their personal relationship with God. Their personal piety. Not their external deeds, but their inward faith. Their devotion to God. The life that they live in secret with God, not the life they live as a, as a show to others. So notice this, he says in verse 23, you, you do these things so carefully, tithing of these, not large things, not like you're tithing of your cattle, it's not like even tithing of your eggs that your hen lays, you're tithing of dill. That's, that's pretty, pretty careful. But while you're doing that, you've omitted things that are weightier matters, like judgment and mercy and faith. You know, the two greatest commandments, according to Jesus, when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, this is the greatest commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all... It had nothing to do with any kind of keeping rules. It had to do with our devotion to God. And, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Again, it has nothing to do with keeping the Sabbath or giving your tithes. It had to do with caring about people, caring about God, loving God, loving people. And so Jesus is calling these Pharisees out. He says, because you do these things that people can see because you want them to see you, but there are other things that you should be doing that you're not doing. Now, first of all, Jesus never rebuked them for being so careful about tithing, right? He didn't. They were right in attending to those details. They were right in making sure they were giving the first part to God. Look what he said in verse 23. These ought ye to have done. 
By the way, there's some people say, well, Jesus never taught tithing in the New Testament. Well, here's a good example of a place that if tithing and giving to God was not important to Jesus, this was his golden opportunity to say, that's Old Testament, you don't have to worry about that. He didn't say that. What he did say is, this ought you to have done. What you did was right. You did what you should have done. You were right in doing that. But then he says this, and this, is the, this really is the kicker in this verse, you shouldn't have left the other things undone. The weightier matters were omitted. Things like faith, things like caring, things like mercy, things like justice. And you could put a lot of things into that sentence, a lot of things into that category. You could put morality, you could put, you could put virtue and devotion and having love and forgiving others and having purity and compassion and patience with people. You should have done all of those. Yes, you should have. You did the right thing in being so careful about certain things but you left a lot of other important things undone. In essence, the Pharisees were majoring on the minors. They were emphasizing things that were a part of God's plan, but they were overlooking things that were more important. They were kind of twisted in their value system. These Pharisees were twisted. I'll give you one example. When it came time for Jesus to be taken and judged... They identified Jesus, identified by the traitor Judas. He was taken to the high priest. And then from the high priest, he was taken into Pilate's judgment hall to be judged. But these religious people would not go into Pilate's judgment hall because they said it would defile them. They're so careful about not being defiled. But these same people cried out for the crucifixion of Jesus. There's something twisted about that kind of religion, wouldn't you think? They didn't know anything about mercy. They didn't know anything about compassion. I was thinking as I was going over these notes of the end of the book of Micah. I'm not going to turn to it, but this is what Micah wrote at the end of his prophecy. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good... And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? That's what God's looking for. To do mercy and be just, be just and to walk humbly with God. Look in verse 24. It follows that with this um, object lesson. He says, you blind guides. They were guides, they were religious leaders, they were, in, they were in charge of others, they were instructing others. They were guides, but they were blind. They couldn't see. And he said this, you strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. A gnat. My wife probably wouldn't want me to tell you this. But we've had some problem with gnats in our house. Um... They came in in a potted plant. We found out finally how they came in. But you know, does everybody know what a GNAT gnat is? It's a little bitty tiny, you know, can't even hardly see it. So small. And have you ever been out working, and when you're out working or running and a bug flies in your mouth and you swallow it? How many of y'all ever done that? Working or, yeah. 
You wouldn't even hardly know it if you swallowed a gnat. But he says about these people, you, you strain at a gnat and you'll swallow a camel. Now, I have swallowed gnats, but I have never swallowed a camel. You think that'd be just the... What is Jesus trying to teach them? He's teaching them, you're very careful about small things and very careless about big things. That's the Pharisees. Little be, some little bitty thing you really are concerned about, but some big thing like loving one another, a big thing like forgiving one another, a big thing like helping one another, those kind of things. These people were always guilty. Jesus called them out all the time. You, you don't help people. You put burdens on them that you can't carry, and you try to make them carry those same burdens. They didn't care about people. They cared about their impression. They cared about their reputation. So Jesus, to me, this is one of the great, this is my favorite part of this chapter. I, I like the whole chapter, actually, because it is such a description of what a Pharisee is. But I especially like this, because it's so easy to see their error. And it's so easy to see applications for our own lives. These, these people were not called out because of the sins they committed. They called out because of the sins that they omitted. And you know, sometimes we emphasize in ourselves or in others... The sins that people commit. But you know what? Sometimes the larger sin is not what we're doing. It's what we're not doing. And that's what they were guilty of. Yes, you do tithe. Good for you. Jesus said, shame on you. He said, good for you. You you do that. But there's other more important things that you don't do. One of the things we see in this passage is that there are matters of lesser and greater importance. Now, if you or I just said that on our own, people might call us out or question it. But Jesus is the one that said it. Jesus said, yes, you did this, and that's good. But you're, you're not doing things that are more important. There are things that are more important that you're not doing than there are things that you are doing. I've said it, probably you've said it, and it's a true statement. That if anybody... No matter what your sin is, sin is sin. We've said that. And that's true. Any sin is sin. Lying is sin. The same as adultery is sin. The same as murder is sin. They're all sins. And any sin is serious. But some sins are more important and more serious than other sins. Right? Jesus said this. Now, some people would hear this and get the impression, well then, this, these outward things are unimportant. Jesus never said that. It's not taught in the Scripture. He never said, you are wrong for being so concerned and careful about your tithe, even to the extent that you would tithe on your garden herbs. He didn't say you were wrong. He never said that those things were unimportant, but he said there's those outward things you do, though they're important, the inward things that you're not doing is much more important. 
I mean, do you see that in the scripture? That's what Jesus is teaching them. It's what he's teaching us. You know, Laura, I can't believe you did that. I wouldn't do that for just anybody. (laughs) You know, you can have a great tithing record and have a bad spirit, right? You can carry the right Bible and have the right haircut and the right wardrobe and have a bad spirit and have a bad and be and be judgmental. A person can have the absolute highest external standards and not have any degree of humility about their life. Is it wrong to have those standards? Not at all. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to have the right kind of standards about whose friends you have, where you go, the kind of music you listen to. Those, those are good things. Nobody ever said those are not good things. Those are good things. I don't believe Jesus... I, don't, I, I may be wrong about this. Call me out when we get there. I don't believe Jesus is going to rebuke people at the judgment seat of Christ because they took the Bible, Old and New Testament, and tried to live their lives by the standards and principles of the Bible. I don't think He's going to call people out on that. But if you do it and you have a prideful attitude about it, I believe you get called out on that. We can be guilty of observing some things over other things, and that's what they were doing. They were observing some things, and they were omitting other things. Can I just state the obvious tonight, and that is this. It shouldn't be either or. It ought to be both. It shouldn't be, well, I'm just going to focus on making sure that on the outside I look exactly like a Christian ought to look, but I'm going to let my inner life just dry up and shrivel away. It shouldn't be. You think, well, do people think? I don't think they think like that, but I think sometimes people do that. As long as I look good on the outside. I may not have read my Bible all week. I may have something uh, fallen out with my husband or wife. I may, have, I may have been sneaking around and reading and looking things I shouldn't look at. But when I go to church, I'm going to look the part, act the part, talk the part. And as long as it looks good to everybody else, I'm good. That's horrible. That's horrible. It's possible to attend to one and neglect the other. By the way, it's equally possible for a person to say, well, all I'm going to do is focus on what I think is my relationship to God. I'm going to be as close to God as I can. And I don't care what anybody thinks about the way I look or who my friends are or where I go or anything else because if they don't like it, they can just lump it. I'll tell you, that's just as wrong. It doesn't have to be either or. Why can't it be both? Why can't it be we're going to try to obey God as clearly as we know how, as exactly as we know how, but we're not going to do it from a prideful way. We're not going to do it from an arrogant way. We're not going to do it with, as a Pharisee would. We're going to do it with humility and a walk with God where we want to please God more than anything else, and we want our testimony to glorify Him. It's possible to strictly adhere to detail and external things and ignore the more important attitudes of the heart. But it's also possible to focus on the matters of the heart and our attitude 
toward others and neglect obedience to God in His commands. People say, well, that don't matter. That stuff about giving, that don't matter. That stuff about standards, that don't matter. Jesus never said it didn't matter. You may say it doesn't matter, but Jesus never said it doesn't matter. Right? People even use passages from the Scripture to justify that. Like like when, when Samuel went to... Um, Jesse's house, Saul the king, had forfeited his right to be the king, and God was selecting the next king to follow after Saul, and it was, it was going to be one of the sons of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. And the oldest son, they thought, well, this will be him. I mean, he's look at this guy, sharp guy, strong. Not him. Second one, not him. Third one, not him. Finally, they went through all the guys. There's none of them. And, and this was the answer in that conversation with Samuel about, about why God didn't select one of those. He says, because God, man looketh on the outward, but God looks on the heart. Remember that? So people take that. God looks on the heart, man looks on the outward, so it doesn't really matter what the outward looks because God looks on the heart. That's, that's rubbish. I mean, that's not, that's not what that Bible teaches. By the way, in case you had never figured this out or thought about it, nobody can see your heart, right? I can't see your heart. You can't see my heart. You can't even see your own heart. It's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The only thing we can see is what's on the outside. And that's why I think it matters for Christians that they look like Christians ought to look. They, they act like, talk like Christians ought to track. Because that's the only thing that people can see is what's on the outside. But the implication of that statement is, is that it, what's on the outside doesn't matter to God. That simply is not true. It's not true. You know, um, I'm thinking of a passage in the New Testament where Paul was dealing with what we would call questionable activities. And it had to do, and I'm going to give you a real short description of what was going on. It had to do with eating meat offered to idols. It's talked about in Corinthians. It's talked about in Romans. Here's the controversy. Um, there was I mean, Idolatry was was big. Idolatry was actually worshiping, taking sacrifices and worshiping them to pagan idols. They would bring their livestock, they'd bring the, the animals, they would, just like, just like the Jewish people would sacrifice animals and their worship of God, the idol worship would sacrifice animals and their worship of, of idols. But what would they do with the meat, the, the meat that was not actually burned up or used for the sacrifice, it would be, it'd be sold in the market. And it really would be sold, from what I understand, at a discounted price. You know, if you wanted to get some, go get some meat. And you know how you go, if you go to the, Bill would know about this, you go to the meat market, and right now all the meat from China is marked down. and <laughs> They'd put a special label on it. You know, eat at your own risk. <laughs> That's the way we do with this meat offered to idols. And Christians were, were struggling with, could we, can we go eat that meat? Is there anything wrong with us eating that meat? And you know what Paul said? 
the, the, the idol, is, we all know that the idol is nothing. It may be an idol in the mind of some people, but he says it's, an, it's not to us. And the meat offered idol is nothing. Basically, he said, you have liberty. Eat that meat if you want to. If you want to get, the, get a cut of meat, and it came from a sacrifice given to him, go ahead and eat the meat. And so people would say, we have liberty. We have the liberty to do this. There's nothing wrong with it. We can do it. But then he said this. But he says, if what you do causes a brother to stumble, in other words, they see you, someone who's weak sees you do that, then he says, why would you, for a piece of meat, cause your brother to stumble? And then he said this, if meat, eating meat offered to idols, causes my brother to stumble, I'll never eat meat the rest of my life. Is that what he said? So what does that mean in, in all this we're talking about? Because this was a, like a questionable activity that Paul says, technically, you have liberty to do this. But just because you have liberty to do it, if it might offend a brother, charity says you don't do it. I had a conversation about that not too long ago with some, someone, and they... T- they, they could not see that. They would not see that. They feel like, I'm a Christian. If I have the liberty to do it, it doesn't really matter what anybody thinks. That's not taught in the Bible, friend. It's not taught in the Bible. That may be one of those weightier matters. And that would be, I'll make, I'll make personal sacrifices and concessions of what I could do so that I won't hurt somebody else in their spiritual growth. That makes sense, Right? So we see here, to me, just a, just a wonderful passage about the danger, first of all, of what they were doing, which is we've got our few little rules that we're going to live by, and we're going to live by them so strictly, and we're going to be proud of it, and everybody's going to know it, and then ignore things that are much more important, like loving God and loving one another, being humble being forgiving, being compassionate. You can do that. We don't want to do that. Do people do that? I'm sure probably people do. I think any of us could, by the grace of God. We don't want to do that. But at the same time, he doesn't, he doesn't, it doesn't imply doesn't, that you can just do these things. Just be, be humble and caring and love God and love others. But all these other, both of these were matters of the law. We can't do, we can't say, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to ignore these other. We can't. Why not do both of them? That's what this is all about. Observing, you know, if a, let's just just say a person could do this. A person might say, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to make me a list of things that, that I know God wants me to do. It's in the Bible. I'm going to do them. I'm going to, I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to have a prayer life. I'm going to give my money. But I'm not going to obey my parents. I'm not going to, you know, reverence God and His Word. I'm not going to do those things. I'm just going to do these. But that's not what God wants from us. It's not either or. It's not either or. You can't, you can't say I'm going to observe a few little things and I'm going to neglect these other things. And I, I just want to exhort you, challenge you, 
tonight, let's not be guilty of doing one and dismissing the other. Amen. And if we did that, if we did, if we did that, if we said, okay, we're going to, I'm going to make sure I do this. I want to make sure I, you know, have all my ducks in a row over here, what everybody expects me to be like, but I'm going to, I'm going to, but in my inner man, I'm just going to let it go. I'm not going to really have the inner life that I should. And I'm going to dismiss these other things. Then we are exactly what the Pharisees were. Shame on us. Amen. Shame on us. This, this falls to me under the category of things it would be wise for us to learn from others. These people got called out. I don't want to be like that, right? I don't want to be like that. And sometimes people try to put us in that category because we say, well, I don't think that's proper. I don't think that's appropriate. I think we ought to be careful about that. And they say, oh, you're just a bunch of legalists. No, we're just trying to apply the word of God to our life. Amen. And that's what they were doing. That's exactly what they The only difference is we're not doing it for show. We ought to be doing it because we want to please God and help other people. Amen.